Welcome to the Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. And I want to look at a very popular story in the Bible of the Shunammite woman and Elijah and how the roller coaster of emotions happened um, when she received, watch this, she received the prophetic promise spoken spoken how many received a spoken promise it hasn't come in but it's like it's spoken like god like god is going to heal you or god is going to do this through you right how many have received something spoken from the lord all right or god is going to restore your marriage or god is going to do this god is doing do that right it hasn't manifested yet but it's spoken all right here's the i'm going to eschage today it's phases of this long story that's going to help bring life into you and i'm going to relate it to my personal story and god is going to blow up this place in jesus name and then she saw the promise. Everybody say, saw the promise. So there's one, <laughs> there's one thing to receive a prophetic word. Listen, right? no, no distractions now. There's one thing to receive it. Say receive it. So you're going to see a journey of someone that had a spoken promise. She received it. Watch this. Watch this. She held it and she experienced it. She lost that same promise. Lost it. Completely lost it. Some people don't even lose the promise once they receive it. Completely lost and back to square one. And the principle she used to get it all back again, right? So imagine God speaking to you. You actually finally get that after a while. It manifests, right? And then after a while that you experience it and you touch it, it's taken away from you and it dies. Not even Abraham experienced that. Abraham was told that he has a child of promise. And then he was told, you're going to sacrifice your son. But when he was about to sacrifice it, you know the story, that, that didn't happen. So he still kept his son, but the Shunammite woman received the promise and lost the promise and then got it back again. I want to tell you that this is a story of resilience, but here's the foundation to what I'm going to share, okay? I want you to see this. Hebrews 6, verse 10 through 12. I want you, this is foundational. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown towards his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. For those of you who minister, God has not forgotten you. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Now, I want you to hear this very carefully because there's two main keys to unlock the promises of God in your life. Two. Two main ones. They're gigantic. They're the two jugular veins, okay? That you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. That you do not become sluggish. Everybody say, through faith and patience. Say patience. Say faith. Say patience. You inherit the promise. The Bible says that there is no other way to inherit the promise other than through faith and through patience. And if I could just be really real with you and un- unmask the whole spiritual mask that everything is easy in the, in, in, in the Christian life, it takes work to believe in faith when you don't see anything, and it takes even longer when you have to have patience when you have struggle believing. So you have to have faith, which faith without works is dead, but sometimes that works is, the, is your, a changing of your mindset, that you, dare, you have to believe that the promises of God are coming. So like the two realities, faith, now this is a, a, a thing, uh, slide number one. This is not the KJV version. This is the PGV version, okay? So faith, look at the first slide. Faith, what is faith? Faith and patience inherits a promise. Look at the first slide. Faith is the ability to truly believe. 
Say truly believe. That what God spoke to you is coming to pass. I'm telling you, truly believe, not, not, yeah, I know, I know, it's the right thing to do. Yeah, I know, it's the things that God uh, chose me to do. Yes, I know, no, but do you truly believe? Faith is, what, is that, you know what Paul the Apostle said? I am fully persuaded. In other words, there is no convincing me otherwise. I'm fully persuaded. And, and the Bible says faith, one of the keys to inherit the promises is faith. And what is faith? The ability to truly believe what God spoke to you is coming to pass. If I could just be very transparent of you, I've had the ups and downs like you, have, you would not believe. I mean, if, if you were to design a roller coaster on my ups and downs of faith, it, you would fall off the roller coaster. You'd be like... <laughs> it would be like in light speed backwards and then forwards and then up and down. That's our journey to God. And guess what? Faith is truly believing. Have I, have I been faithful and say that I truly believe all the time that God was going to heal me? No. Being, I'm being honest. There's times I didn't believe. But I do. I do now. You know what patience is? This is the PGV version. It's a little long, right? Patience is, put it up there. Patience is the ability, uh-oh, not to abort and give up on what God spoke to you concerning his promises. Watch this. It's the ability to wait and suffer long without giving up hope. That's a PGV version. I didn't get that by a book. I just, I said, I, I just felt that statement coming into my life based on my life and based on scriptures. Pa- put that up there. Don't, don't, don't take it down until I tell you guys. Patience is the ability to not abort. Say not abort. Do you know that it's possible to abort a spoken promise? You say, how can that be? God spoke it. It's going to happen automatically. If you don't have faith and patience, you can abort that which God has spoken to you. Absolutely you can. Because he gives us a choice. We're not robots. Prophetic words are not not, uh, automatic. They're invitation to intercession. Their invitation to intercession so you could partner with that prophetic word. Patience is the ability to not abort and give up on what God spoke to you. Come on. How many are about to abort what God spoke to you because it hasn't happened? I know. I almost did. Do you know how many times privately I wrestled with quitting the ministry? And I'll even say this further. Planning on giving the ministry to somebody else because of my affliction. Because I needed patience mixed with my faith. If you have faith and no patience, there's going to be a struggle along the way. But patience is the ability to wait and suffer long. Here's the here's key. You suffer long without giving up hope. If you could just have hope during the process, the devil can't stop you. I'm going to give you a key. Once you have faith, and you could, you could take it down now, guys. Once you have faith and once you have patience along the journey, you will see that you will eventually... Get the promise that God spoke to you. If you don't have faith and you don't have patience, oh, God, help me with patience. Some of you guys said, Lord, give me patience. And the Lord now give, gave, gave, uh, gave you uh, or allowed you to get an affliction that has uh, a thorn in your side. And you're like, God, why? God, why? And God says, you prayed for patience. Listen, patience is not a virtue only. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Patience is a virtue. Yeah, it's it's a virtue, but it's a fruit of the Spirit. And what are fruits? Character. So these are, I'm going to have to go fast because really, I I really want to get to the end of the story, which is going to make you shout. 
All right? So I want to look at the story of, of Elijah and the Shunammite woman and draw powerful principles of faith and patience in this story. Are you ready with me? Now, I want you to see this because this is for some of you. If I'm walking through it, I know that God is going to have you walk through it too. Come on, say amen. The first, the first phase, I'm going to go real quickly, put it up there quickly, guys, is the spoken promise. Like I talked to you, the spoken promise. We're going to see all these, all these principles. We're going to back it up scripturally through the, the woman from Shunem, which is a Shunemite woman, and her uh, story with Elijah. I want you to follow me, okay? There, it's a long scripture, but I'm going to break it down today for you. So the first point is a spoken promise. Say spoken promise. Wave your hands if you ever had a spoken promise. Okay, so watch what 2 Kings verse 4, 8 through 16 says in the NLT. Watch this. One day, Elijah went to the town of Shunem. A wealthy woman lived there, okay? And she urged the prophet to come to her home. I want you to follow me because this is key. After that, whatever he, whenever that man of God, Elijah, passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. So every time this prophet would come, he would stop at this lady's house with her husband to eat something, all right? She said to her husband, I am sure that this man who stops in from time to time is a holy man of God. Watch this. There's so much prophetic principle in here that I could break down, but I don't have time to, all right? There's a, there's a culture of honor that released the prophetic on, on her life. Let me, let me just say that. When you, have, when you, honor, when you, when you honor someone, you, release, you get a reward. There's an honor code. Watch what she did. Watch how she honored the man of God. And I want you to see how honoring the man of God released the gift on his life to prophesy the word of the Lord for her. They, look, uh, you're missing it because you're not saying amen. It's like, you're looking at me like, I don't understand. When you honor, you will activate the gift in someone, and you receive that gift. Okay, you're not getting it, but it's all right. So she said to her husband, I'm sure that this man who stops by from time to time is a holy man. Now remember, she didn't have to do this. Let, let's build a small room for Elijah on the roof. Uh, and furnish it with a bed. Oh, God, I can't wait to preach that when I come to that. A table, a chair, and a lamp. Let's furnish it. That's like me saying, I, I recognize prophet. There's a prophet in the land. We're going to go on this roof, and we're going we're gonna to spend thousands of dollars to have a bed for this man of God every time he comes. Right? Watch this. And the lamp. Then he will have a place to stay whenever he comes. One day, Elijah returned to Shunem and went up to the upper room, his, now his place, his bed, to rest. He said to the servant Gehazi, tell the woman from Shunem, I want to speak to her. Watch this. This is, the, this is the honor, the reaping of the honor. When she appeared, Elijah said to Gehazi, tell her, we appreciate the kind concern you have shown us. What can we do for you? Can we put in a good word for you to the king or to the company of the army? No, she replied. My family takes good care of me. Watch this. Later, Elisha asked Elijah, can we do something for her? There's something, there's something that this woman must need. I want to show the kindness of the Lord to her for building this room for me. Right? Elisha told him, watch this. When the woman returned, watch this now. Elisha said to her, and she stood at the, as she stood at the doorway, next year. At this time, you will be holding a son in your arms. This is, the, this is the spoken promise now. Watch this. Watch what the woman said. No, my Lord. Oh, man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up. And get my hopes up like that. Do not deceive me. Look, look at me. This is the first phase. Why did she say that? Because it doesn't say this in the Bible, but the fact that she says, no, 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 man of God, don't deceive me. You, you know that if I open up myself to this word, that means I have to open up my heart again. 
You know that if I say yes to this word that I'm going to open it. What does that tell you? That says maybe, just maybe, she's had several prophetic words in the past that, oh, one day you're going to get a son, and it never happened, and it never happened, and she was filled with discouragement. And so this man of God says, this time next year, you're going to have a son. She goes, prophet, don't you fool, don't you mess with me. Don't you, don't you do that to me. Don't you do that. I've already had my heart broken a hundred times. Don't you get my hopes up like that. See, because here's the thing about the prophetic. When you receive the prophetic, when you receive it, and it doesn't come to pass. When you receive a prophetic word and you believe it's from the Lord and it never comes to pass, you will begin to doubt prophetic words in the future. Just like when people get hurt by many churches, they won't go to churches in the future. Or every church that they go to, they'll have already a hurt in them. And anything the pastor does, the pastor could blink wrong and they're offended and they're hurt. So what I'm trying to tell you is this person had this this excitement phase, right? That's what I call it. It's the excitement phase. When you get a prophetic word and you, let's say someone comes in and says, thus says the Lord. Shalini, the Lord says, uh, in the next two weeks, you're going to have $500,000. Can you imagine that? Right? Now, now watch. watch. If she receives that prophetic word, she's not going to be like, amen. She's going to be like, yes, yes, I receive that. What happens if that never happens, if that never comes to pass? She's going to start starting every prophet. She's going to start doubting. Slowly, she's going to start doubting the power of God. So this woman of God tells me, when she says, don't say that to me, it tells me that she's already been disappointed many times in her life. Come on, I could relate to that. I could relate to disappointment. I could write a book on disappointment. When our whole church has been fasting, whole church has been praying, and still no breakthrough, and I got worse. I could write a book on discouragement and depression. And I could say prayer doesn't work. I could say that. I've been tempted to. But I knew that, I, that there's deep roots in me. Here's the thing that the Lord told me. When you've been walking with God for a long time and you develop deep roots, when the tree no longer has water, the root system kicks in. And all the water, come on, that you have built from years in the past starts kicking in. And all the things when you were 17 and 18 and the times when, when it's way down there, the, the water that you instill starts coming up and start nourishing your body. That's why you have to walk with God to build a root. I heard the Lord say passion alone does not equal discipleship. You, you, you don't, just because you, you have zeal does not mean that you're educated in the word. There's a lot of people that are zeal, zealous and they start saying things in their zeal. I'm like, that is totally off. That's not scriptural. Because in their zeal, they're saying stuff that doesn't mean, you can't, look, listen, you can't look within the world to get happening. You can't even look in within yourself. The Bible says your heart is deceitful above all things. So, so watch this. This is the excitement phase. Everybody say excitement. Right? So watch this. Here's the second phase of faith and promise. The second phase is actually, watch this, seeing and experiencing the promise. So there's a difference between, now I'll, by a show of hands, how many of you have received a, a prophetic word, but then you actually saw it come to pass? You actually saw something, something come to pass. Watch, watch this, watch this. Saw, you saw it come to pass. Watch, watch this. Here, here's a scripture to prove it. Verse 17 of the same scripture. We're going to go down uh, this whole story. 2 Kings 4, 17. But sure enough, the woman became pregnant. Remember she said, don't fool me. Watch what happened. Sure enough, uh uh-oh, she became pregnant. And at that time, the following year, she had a son. Just as Elijah had said. You know what this phase is? Is the phase where you touch, finally, what you've been praying for. 
Have you ever touched and felt an experience we've been praying for? Like, I, I want to get to the day that I touch and feel that my body is completely healed. That I wake up one day and I don't have to drag out the bed, right? That I can touch and feel like everything is normal, right? When, when, we, when you get now, she got a son. She's been disappointed for years. She gets pregnant. She gets happy. Watch this. This is my, my, my opinion. She starts reversing her mindset of everything that she had rooted in herself like, no, I'm disappointed. No, it's not going to happen. Now it's like, I believe again. I, I, I believe again now because now I see the promise. I, her and her husband felt the promise. See, some of you, I feel in my spirit, all you, are, all you have is a prophetic voice, a word, and you haven't felt it in a while, so you're starting to doubt the prophetic word. You're waiting for, for you to get pregnant. That's, by the way, I'm going to prophesy. That's why some of you are frustrated. I'm going to prophesy to you. Some of your frustration is not, is not demonic. Some of your frustration is you're holding on to a word, and you believe that word. And you chose to believe it about your marriage. You chose to believe it about your bills. You chose to believe it about your health. And nothing is happening. But there's a difference when you choose to believe, and now you see it and you touch it. The Shunammite woman and her husband felt it, felt the promise, felt it, caressed it, the boy. It is a boy. It's a promise. Laughed with it. Cried with it. Held it. Experienced it. Watch this. Enjoyed it. You enjoy. There's a season for some of you that you're enjoying the promise. You're, you're actually enjoying it. It's like, it's like a kid. Have you ever seen a kid that loves dessert and you can't that? And you see them in the corner, and their face is all like chocolate. Like, and boy, they're enjoying that thing. Or, or, or if you fasted for a week, or if you've been working out, and you have one cheat day, and you got that strawberry shortcake, I mean strawberry cheesecake with karaba, with a, <laughs> right? And they give you that cheesecake, and, you eat, and, you, and you're smiling. And you're smiling. when You're enjoying that. Pe- you're going to enjoy that cheesecake. You're going to be like, <laughs> that is great. Give some cheesecake. (laughs) You're eating that cheesecake and you're smiling. Watch this. You're experiencing the dessert. I call it the dessert phase. The promise is a spoken and that's exciting phase. The, 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 The enjoyable dessert phase is when you actually touch it. That happened to us. When God prophesied us to be a church and we started in, in, in a, a pop, middle school. And who, who would have known? Most people, if you actually do this, you, you guys can know because you guys are mature. Rachel and them, they've been around the movement for years. It's not normal for you to get into school and then seven months later get a building like this. That's not normal. Most people are in a, in a school for five years before they get a church. We were, in a, we were in it. Watch this. Prophetic voice. Now I remember, like yesterday, God gave us on, 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 on Resurrection Day, I announced to the whole church that, that God was giving us the building, the key to the building. And I, I mean, I'm talking about, you could go back to it, 2017. There was people that didn't know each other, started hugging each other like they won the lottery. Ah! We started feeling it. I even had a field day one time. I said, hey guys, next week after church in the school, we're going to go see it. And all this was all messed up. And they were like, wow. This is ours, PG? I go, yeah. Most people stop at this stage. They get the promise, they enjoy it, and they move on. But sometimes, it seems, if you don't know God, hear me carefully or else you will misquote me. Sometimes, if you do not know God or his ways, it will appear that God is mean. 
because you prayed for a promise. You got to touch the promise. You got to cry with the promise. You got to hold the promise. You got to touch the promise. This is ours. This is our building. And God sometimes allows things for you to have the promise taken away from you. That same promise, that same thing, taken away from you and leave you with confusion, with doubt, with bitterness, with a shakata. There's one thing to receive a promise and enjoy it like most people do. But what if you receive a promise and that promise is taken away in the form of money not being there anymore, in the form of the church building not being there anymore, in the form of a, a person that you love not being there anymore, and you believe the promise? My friend Rich Vera, this is just coming to me. He told me one time he believed for, for, for his, he has a healing ministry for his mother to resurrect from, from sickness. She, he prayed for her, right? She got healed. Two days later, she died. And he opened up to me and says, I can, he was going through a heavy season like me. Why did you give me the promise to take it away from me? Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Why did, you, why did you say this? Why did I believe it? I touched it. I felt the promise. Now it's not there anymore. God, you took it away. Why? And we, and we say those things as if God is a mean God. When we have re we've got to realize that there's a greater purpose that we will never understand. Our job is faith and patience inherits the promise. L li listen to me. They, they, we're enjoying it. Watch this. The, four, the third one is seeing and experience your promise die and be no more. Do you know, do you know, look at me, church, that the Shunammite woman and her husband got to touch the promise of their son. Remember, she said, don't fool with me, prophet. I've been injured so much. I've been, I've been, I've been hoping so much. And, and don't mess with me like that. Don't mess with my emotions. Don't mess with my emotions. I've been, I believed before and it's crushed me. Now, watch this, guys. God actually heals her. Emotion by giving her the promise. Okay, I believe again. You can take that, sc that screen off. I believe again. Now watch this, watch this. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you all in scripture and how the Shunammite woman responds, filling her with, with disappointment and confusion. But I want you to see this. Second Kings, oh, this is good. Second Kings chapter 4. Are you getting something? One day. This is the same story, verse 18. Verse 18. One day. Remember, we just read she, she, got, had, uh, she had a baby. She said the promise. She held it. Held the promise. One day, her child was, when her child was older, this is the promised child, he went out to help his father, who was working with the harvesters. Suddenly, he cried out, my head hurts. My head hurts. His father said to the servant, his father was oblivious, carry him home to his mother. So the servant took him home. Watch this. I want you to read this carefully. And his mother held him on her lap, but around noontime, he died. There's no... There's no, like, interpretation needed of this verse. It's not like Daniel with the horns and the tent. And what, what does that mean? It means he died. At noontime, this promise died, and she found herself back to square one. Probably more disappointed, probably more discouraged, and probably more depressed. As a matter of fact, that's a, that's a progression. 
the progression starts like this. When you experience something that is very hurtful or when you, or when you get the, a promise and it's taken away from you, whatever that promise is, it starts with discouragement, disappointment, and then it progresses to depression. It's the three Ds. It's disappointment, discouragement, and depression. Watch this. Why did this happen? I want to I say this to you, and I feel the Holy Ghost, man. I want to open up to you. When I was in Atlanta, and I had all these people praying with me, the day of the surgery, I woke up, the day, because I've been already, I already was suffering for three years, so I'm thinking, okay, this might do it. But if I could be honest with you, I had so much disappointment from so many doctors, so much disappointment, even from prophetic words, if I could be honest with you. Hardly any of them came to pass, any of them. I'm not saying this for you to be scared to give me a prophetic word, okay? I'm just telling you that. Like, oh, man, I don't, I'm not going to have a prophetic word. No. You either know God or you don't. Be bold. If you know it's God, it may be just a timing thing, all right? So don't, don't doubt it. But to me, to me, I know that those words were right, but it just hasn't manifested yet. So I woke up. I'm talking about, I'm talking about a lot, the, the, the Shunat woman. I woke up, guys, and I went to a, a place. This is before the surgery, and I wept uncontrollably. <laughs> I wept so hard. My wife kept, you know, putting me in my back, and she goes, what's wrong? I go, I just feel like I'm going to be disappointed again. Something in me is like, not, you know. And, of course, I had the, the procedure, and I became ten times worse. Ten times. I could barely move. People could, if you could see me, I could bar- barely move. You could ask my wife, you could ask my brother-in-law, you could ask my kids who were looking at me. I was like this. Because now I went from the front, sorry, from the back to the front. It was like a, a, a knife in the lower extremities. And that's all I'm going to say to keep it G version. And I was like, th- like this. This is after many years of praying. After many years of seeking. The whole church, the, a lot of the people in the nation were praying that day. And the promise was taken away from me. And I began to, to cry out to God. Because here's the problem, but we have to all guard ourselves in. That when we go through great pain and we go through great disappointment, the body of Christ can be struck with a spiritual disease. I call it a spiritual disease called spiritual amnesia. When, when great disappointment and the promises are taken away, we suddenly forget all the good things he's done in our life because we only focus on what he has not done. And the immediacy of the he hasn't done this, we forget all the good. And it, you know what? And it's real amnesia. I actually, for a season, literally, literally forgot all the good things that God had done for me. I, because I was so focused on my pain. And the disappointment of unanswered prayer and going to a doctor. And I got worse. And I said, what is wrong, God? I'm serving you. I'm doing all these things. I had prophecies. I've had hundreds. And I even said this is a true story. I said, if you don't hear me, at least hear the hundreds of people that are praying for me. You don't have to listen to me. Listen, you have, I, I said some things to the Lord in that day that I'm If you, have, you could only throw a powwow to God if you have a relationship with God. My, my, guys, I said things to the Lord. I never cursed the Lord. I never cursed because I, I don't use that language. But let me tell you, I challenged God. Like, if you're so bad, go ahead and strike me now. That's what I said. I won't say any, anything else than what I said. I mean, I, me and God went to the ring and said, okay, you're big and bad. Go ahead and kill me. True story. True story. God is my witness. 
I said, let's go. I, had, I was at the end. I was the end. And I didn't care anymore. I wanted to die. I'm like, come on, let's go. Go ahead and show your power. But you can't exhaust the power of God in five minutes. You can't exhaust the mercy of God because someone tells God that they don't want to live because of their pain. His mercy endures forever. So he allowed me to do that. He allowed me to go through that thing, right? And I'm going to tell you because this is for some of you. I want you to see how the Shunammite woman responded. But I want you to look at the definition that I put up of spiritual amnesia. Put up that, put, put up that definition. Spiritual amnesia is this. When we forget all the times that the Lord has powerfully come through for you and brought you or your loved ones out of something that the devil had planned for evil. See, because you're complaining and you're still alive, but that car should have hit you. That, that, that sickness could have been worse. Your organs should have failed, right? You, 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 you should have been this way, but you don't see what God has protected you from or the goodness when you are in an affliction. When something, when a promise is taken away from you, like it was the Shunammite woman, you have spiritual amnesia and you forget all the times that God has powerfully delivered you or a loved one out of something meant to destroy you. If you could only see in the spirit realm what he spared you from. All the time that you're complaining, there is a purpose. But we must have a journey of faith and patience to inherit this. This woman had faith and now had the patience had to kick in. Why? Patience is suffering long without giving up hope. Some of you have suffered long and you have about to give up hope. Let me tell you, if you allow patience to kick in, you will soon inherit the promise. Now, I want you to see that is not how the Shunammite woman responded. Now, this is where you're going to shout because this is the, the, the deep part of my message. In the next 10 minutes, I'm going to say four things of what the Shunammite woman did. Watch this. And that we could do to regain the promise that was lost after you touched it. How many have received the promise and touched it before? Come on. How many have touched that same promise and you've seen it go away? Whether it's through bankruptcy, whether it's through a loss of a loved one, whether it's through a loss of something, maybe something broken, maybe a marriage, maybe whatever it is, maybe a relationship. You touched it, and now it's gone. I'm going to teach you right now what the Shunammite woman did, four things that she did and, she, and how, what she responded to to get the promise back. Are you ready? Now watch this. I'm going to read this really, really fast uh, because of time. I want you to just fly with me. We're going to get these four points because these four points are going to make you shout because they made me shout. All right? Second Kings, verse 4. I feel the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't you? Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Oh, I want to preach on this. She carried him. Look, she looked at the dead boy. Looked at the dead boy. She said, all right. After she wept. After she dealt with God. After she cried. She did something prophetic. She grabbed the boy. She said, all right. This is now the prophet's problem. This is now God's problem. I'm going to go upstairs. I'm going to lay the boy on his bed. Watch this. She carried him up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and left him there. She sent a message to her husband, send back the servants a donkey so that I can hurry to the man of God to come back. Remember her, remember her, her son just died. Her promise just died. So I want you to follow me because I'm going to break this down in a second. Verse 23. 
Why go today? Her husband had no clue. He asked, it is neither noon, noon, uh, sorry, new moon, festival, or Sabbath. Now watch what this woman of God said. This is a little foreshadow of what she did. It will be all right. It will be all right. What do you mean be all right? Your son just died. And she's saying to her husband, it's going to be all right. Someone say it's going to be all right. Watch this. So she saddled the donkey, said to the servant, hurry, don't slow down unless I tell you. Verse 25, as, he, as she approached the man of God in Mount Carmel, Elisha saw her in the distance, and he said to Gehazi, her servant, look, the woman from Shunem is coming. Run out to her and meet her. It is, is everything all right? Ask her, is everything all right with you? If someone were to ask you, is everything all right with you? No, it's not. It's not all right. My son, my son, you promised it, and nothing is here. So she said to Gehazi, Gehazi, watch this. Uh, is everything okay, right? In verse 26, right? And the woman said, yes. The woman told Gehazi, everything is fine. I'm going to break that down in a second. I could, because I could right now, but I'm not. I'm holding back. But when she came to the man of God, remember Gehazi, his servant, she, he said, is everything okay? And to the servant, she said, everything is fine. Everything was not fine, guys. Everything was not fine in the natural. She said, everything is fine. So Gehazi said, huh, she said everything is fine. Now watch this. But when she came to the man of God, she fell to the ground before him and caught hold of his feet. Gehazi began to push her away, but the man of God said, leave her alone. She's deeply troubled, but the Lord has not told me what it is. Verse 28, she said, the Shunammite woman said, did I ask you for a son? In other words, I didn't ask for a son. You prophesied a son to me. This is your problem now, little foreshadow. This is your problem now. This is your. Pro- this is no longer my problem. This is your problem. Did I ask you for a son? No, I didn't. Don't deceive me and get my hopes up. The prophet already knew what she was talking about without her saying that anything else. Watch what happens. Then Elisha said, "Get ready to travel. Take my staff." And go. Now, he didn't go. He said, Gehazi, go. Take your staff. Don't talk to anyone along the way. Go quickly. Lay hands on the, on the, sta- on the, on the child and, and, and on the child's face, thinking that he would rise. Verse 30. But the boy's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I won't go home unless you come with me. So Elisha then said, okay, I'll go with you. Verse 31. They were coming. Gehazi, Gehazi, follow me now, follow me. Gehazi, the servant, hurried on ahead and laid the staff on the child's face. But nothing happened. How many times you had the anointed preacher, the anointed uh, evangelist, the anointed man of God send a staff and a, and, a, and a cloth or whatever it is, and you do it, and nothing happens. Watch this, watch this. Quickly, lay your staff, verse 30. The boy's mother said, verse 31, Gehazi hurried up ahead, laid the staff on the child's face, but nothing happened. Nothing happened. There was no sign of life. He returned to meet Elisha and told him, the child is dead. Verse 32, when Elisha arrived, the child was indeed dead, lying there on the prophet's bed. Verse 33, he went in alone and shut the door behind him and prayed to the Lord. Then he lay down on the child's body, placing his mouth on the child's mouth and his eyes on the child's eyes and his hands on the child's hands. And he stretched out on him and the child's body began to grow warm again. Elisha got up, walked back and forth. across. See, it took work. Even this mighty man of God, he could have said, be healed. It didn't happen the first time. Come on. It didn't happen the first time. It didn't happen the first time. This is Elisha himself. 
Nothing still happened. He prayed. He's like, oh boy, this is this. And the Bible says he's walking back and forth and he's praying to the Lord. And I say, and he's probably saying, Lord, you better heal because I'm going to be in trouble because you're the one who told me to give you his son. And now she's going to be really upset with me and you. And she stretched himself out again on the child. This time the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Here comes the promise coming back. Watch this. Then Elisha summoned Gehazi, called his mother's child, called the mother's child, he said. And when she came in, Elisha said, Here, take your son. I, I said the whole thing because I'm going to break it down because I feel that you need to have this. Step number one, what the, the first step that the Shunammite woman did to resurrect that which she had, lost it, and then get it back again. The first thing she did, watch this, you're going to shout, you're going to shout, is she relinquished control and placed her dilemma in God's hands. She relinquished control and said, listen, it's not, by, by, by putting the, the boy in the bed, in the, in the, in the bed, the prophet of the bed, the prophet's bed, you know what that was a symbolic of? The bed of the prophet is symbolic of the altar of the Lord. It's symbolic because a prophet is symbolic of Jesus himself. So what she symbolically did, you can take that off now, what she symbolically did is take the boy and said, you know what, God, I'm going to put it at the altar. You, this this is your problem, not my problem anymore. This, you got to deal with this because I, I can't deal with it anymore. You did this, now you're going to solve this. You prophesied this. In other words, I am not going to get in the way anymore. God, this is your problems. Some of you need to put your bills on the bed. Come on. Some of you need to put, some of you need to put your bills and say, you know what? You gave me this, all your bills. You put it on the prophet's bed. You put it on the altar and you lay that dead. You see your bills are dead. You pick up those bills. And you say, you know what? This is your problem, not my problem anymore. You're the one who gave me this, this ministry, so you're going to finance it. You're, you know what? Some of you, some of you, you need to put your marriage on that altar. You, need to, you know what? It's dead. Come on. Come on. Come here. Come here, you marriage you. Come here, you. Come here. I'm going to put you on your bed. And I can imagine the woman saying, now I'm going to see that the prophet deals with it. Why? Because by putting it in the prophet's bed, it's symbolic of putting it in Jesus' bed. And what you're saying is, one day, Jesus is going to deal with that. If you listen, you're putting a demand on God when you do this. You're putting a demand that says, listen, this is no longer my problem. Heck, some of you have to throw your whole body under. You have to, you have to pick yourself up. You have to pick your whole self up and put yourself on the bed and say, listen, I'm no longer my problem. I'm your problem. I'm no longer, oh God. I'm no, I'm no longer my problem. I'm, I'm no, notice I didn't say God, God is my problem. I said, I'm your problem. If if you're if you let God, if God if you if God is if if he's if you're his problem then he can solve it if you're in the way he can't solve it you have to say I can't do this anymore and you know what I'm gonna look at watch this watch this most people I know will look at that dead boy and cry over it and mourn over it and bury it and leave that thing in the ground come on let's be honest. <laughs> What are you doing? I can't believe it. Oh my God, he gave it to her. Come on. Have a funeral, and it's over. She goes, No, this is not over. No, 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 no. She got a little, little righteous anger. She goes, I didn't ask for a son. This is your problem. Come here. Now, God, you deal with it. 
And I ain't moving until you make sure that he's alive. But it's not my problem anymore. See, something you have to say, you know what, this is not my problem anymore. You've been fighting. You've been, I, I, hear this, I hear this right now. You've been fighting. You've been striving for something to change in your family, and, and that's why you're depressed. you got to say, you know what, in the private time, when that person's not looking, you just by faith. Don't pick them up physically. But, but <laughs> I'm going to take my husband. I'm going to take my wife. I'm going to put it in the prophet's bed. I'm going to shut the door, and Jesus is going to deal with that thing. Come on, that's good news for some of you because you can't do it by yourself. You can't change the other person. I don't like his personality. He's a, pick him up and put it in the prophet's bed. Pick him up because that now what you're saying, this is not my problem. This is your problem. You're relinquishing control. Glory to God. That's the first thing she did. She goes, uh, you know what? I'm putting him up in the, in the place. I'm locking the door, and that's God's house. And when God comes in, you're going to see him change. You know what that, that, that means in the, in, the, in, the, in the spirit realm? Sometimes this is old-fashioned. Sometimes you've got to anoint the, the, the pillow, you know, where, where, where that person if, you know, lives. And you have, to, you have to anoint it with oil, and you have to pray over it. And who knows when they put their head on that pillow that God will suddenly appear to them and say, repent, come back to me. It's time to come back. And they have an encounter with God. Lewis back there, Castillo, he had an encounter with God several years ago. He was a drug addict. He was doing all kinds of drugs, hiding things from his wife. I can say this because he said it publicly. And one time, without the benefit of a preacher, without the benefit of a podcast, he's driving a, a, a big truck, and all of a sudden, he gets sweaty, and he starts getting hot, and all of a sudden, he starts shaking. No preaching whatsoever. He's on the road, and God encountered him. He began to vomit. He began to throw up. And he called his wife and saying, I'm doing this, I'm doing that behind your back. I need God. And he got encountered by God. Why? Because little did she know, she goes, I'm putting him up to the room. I'm putting him up. I'm putting him up to the room. I ain't dealing with him anymore. I ain't going to talk to him anymore. See, some of you are slowing the process down by trying to change someone. You can't change anyone. I told somebody the other day, if you could convince someone into the faith, someone could convince them out of the faith. You can't, if, if, if your faith is because it logically made sense to you, because it's a, 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 it just makes sense, that is good, but that's not enough to save you. You must have an encounter with the Lord. Because someone else smarter than me, or smarter than whoever, you know, you, you got that knowledge from, is, could come and convince you out of it. You have to be fully persuaded. You know what Quan Jin did? Back in the day, she goes, I can't do it anymore. I'm going to stop talking to him. I'm going to stop being rude to him. Wives, here, here, here's a little lesson. Just don't, just don't, listen, give it up to God. Put him in the door. Shut the door and say, this is your problem. Husbands do the same thing. I'm not just talking to wives. I'm talking to husband. Husband, you take the, the wife that's not uh, submitting to the Lord and is not doing that, and you put her in, a, not physically, Okay. <laughs> Put up in that altar. Listen, and let God fight your battles. You can't let God fight your battles if you're trying to change everybody and trying to persuade everybody. Listen, listen, you know what the Bible says? That a, a contentious woman is like a continual dropping. Drop, drop, drop. And you're like, you know why? Because you're trying to fight a spiritual battle in the natural. You can't fight. You. You can't fight a spiritual battle in the natural. You can't convince someone. You can't outsmart someone for them to be changed. You have to give it to the prophet's room. First thing she did is like relinquish control. Watch this. That's the toughest thing you have to do. I'm not in control anymore. God, you're going to do it, and I'm going to walk away, and I'm going to say I'm going to be nice to them the whole time from this time on. 
I'm going to be nice to the person. I'm going to smile. But all the while, I just want you to know that it's dead. It's dead. And you need to resurrect this thing. My bills are dead. My relationships are dead. My marriage is dead. You're going to have to do it. My finances are ruined. It's you. Something, you know what I feel from the Lord? Some, some of you need to do a prophetic act. Get all your bills and say, this is your problem, Lord. Walk away. The second thing she did, second thing the Shulamite woman did to resurrect her promise that was taken away from her, is her, oh, this is hard. Her confession was filled with faith that everything was going to be all right. The Bible says, it will be all right. When the son just died, let me tell you, one of the hardest things to do when you lose a promise is to have your, your speech biblically right. I know, I know. Your speech, my speech was not biblically right when I was going through stuff. Look at me, you can take that out. Watch this. Her confession was filled with faith that everything was going to be all right. Now watch this revelation. Gehazi, the, the assistant, said, hey, is everything okay? But she said something different to Gehazi than she did to Elijah, right? She did, watch this, watch this. This is going to stir you up. Gehazi came, and she's coming, desperate. Is everything okay? The natural woman would have said, no, it's not. I'm here to see Elijah. I'm here to see him. Watch this. Look at this. Watch this. And the Bible says that the woman said, everything is fine. You know what the Lord revealed to me? Not, sometimes you have to have faith because not everyone is at your level of faith. Not everyone is at your level of faith. So you can't entertain your real emotions. Come on, somebody. You can't, you can't be open to just anybody because if you're open to anybody, they will ruin your faith even more. Because if you just say, man, I'm going through a hard time. Yeah, I know it sucks. I'm going through a hard time too. And a blind can't lead the blind out of the ditch. So this woman said, I ain't going to say anything to this guy. Everything is fine. But when she went to Elijah, it was a different story. What was the second thing? What's the second principle to resurrect your promise? Have your confession right. I have a feeling that everything's going to be all right. Some of you, you just need to say that over your situation right now. Everything is going to be all right. Gehazi is coming to you. Some other people are coming to you. Is everything okay? And everything in you is not okay. This is what you have to say. Everything is fine. Everything is going to be all right. You have to say that, Castillo family, about Isaiah. What's happening with Isaiah? Everything's going to be all right. Don't give room. I don't know. I just don't. I don't. Everything is fine. Everything's going to be all right. Twist those words. Change those words from I don't know why God to everything's going to be all right. Your confession, your confession will release your reality. Turn to someone and say, everything is going to be all right. Do a little street with me. Everything is going to be all right. We don't, our speech should not be determined. Uh, the worship team, Shalini, could you guys come up? You can still listen to the last two. Our speech should not be determined by what we see in the natural. Our speech should be what we see in the supernatural. Are you still with me? Our speech is what, what you see in the supernatural. Here's my, here's my question for you. What do you see in the supernatural? You know what I see? Your finances getting restored. 
you being healed. That's what I see in the spirit. That's what you need to see. My marriage getting better or my relationship better. I, I know there's some things, sometimes you, you, you have to move on from relationships. And I know that. I, I've, I've talked to people that are close to me about that. I know that. But there's sometimes where you say, you know what? Even with a sickness, you say everything's going to be all right. What if everyone in here, when they, when they had a severe attack on the promise, like this woman, when your family members say, hey, what's going on with this situation? I don't, uh, I don't see the, the, the finances anymore. I don't see you working. I don't see you doing this. You know what you got to say? To shut doubt, everything is fine. Everything is fine. Watch this, watch this. This is a lesson before I put point number three. Not everyone will understand your journey. So you've got to be careful not to open up to just anyone. You have to open up to the right people that are filled with faith because if you don't, those people will start putting doubt in you. I can't believe it. I can't believe. You know, you were, you, I can't believe. I'm me too. I'm offended. I'm offended. They said that to you. They said that to me too. The church said that to you. Oh, and then all of a sudden you have a little circle of offense and you split the church. You need somebody to say, nope, everything's going to be okay. You need friends that tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. You need, you need family members around you that say, no, girl, stop, stop, stop it. Like, stop. <laughs> Don't physically slap them, but in the spirit, stop. No, no, stop. Like that. St- do you know, do you know that the Bible says in the book of John that, uh, that Zechariah was, was told, hey, what, what's the, by an angel that, th- that his, John the Baptist's name will be John? John. Well, that, that was a weird name because in the Hebrew name, is like everyone is different. And he's like, I don't know. And the Bible says an angel of the Lord came and shut his mouth. He's like, he could not speak because the Lord says you're going to ruin the promise by your speech. So the Bible says, I'm going to mute you. I'm going to mute you until John is, 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 is born. And you know what? And when they ask him, what's the name? Finally, what's the name of his son? When the son came out, he wrote in a little letter, John. And the Bible says the tongue started loose. Back in those days, John was, it was like Hakim, Hakim, whatever, Shamama, and John, right? It's like, whatever Hebrew, Hebrew name is Hachemim, and John. <laughs> Could you imagine the backyard, uh, three of them, Hakim, Basim, Hakikim, John? You know, I'm just joking. I don't know. I, didn't even, I, I, I totally probably mispronounced the whole Hebrew. Here, but here's my point. God had to mute a man of God because he started doubting. He goes, nope. If, I, if you continue to say that his name is not John, you're going to abort this thing. I'm going to mute you. Could you imagine nine months not being able to talk? Because God knows that there's power in your words. Shulamite woman, how are you? Everything is fine. Everything's fine. But watch watch number three. The third thing she did, I'm almost closing. She went into desperate intercession and prayer to get back what she lost. Some of you are falling asleep. You need to wake up. Watch this. When she came to the man of God at the mountain, she fell to the ground before him and caught hold of his feet. That's symbolic of desperation. I love one of the the definitions you said about intercession. It's pleading. It's pleading. Is a plea by, by, by falling herself, posturing herself in desperation to the man of God. What symbolically, prophetically, she was doing is, I am crying out 
in desperation. Watch this. The element, I'm going to give you something that's powerful. The element to get back your promise that you lost is that you have to have a private time of deep intercession. You can't shortcut this. There has to be a crying out. You throw yourself on the altar in your house and you throw yourself in a place and you cry out with desperation. It's not going to come by you just saying, oh, here it is, oh, here it is. No, 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 no. You need to start interceding. And that's what I started to do. I started interceding. I started praying. I started interceding because if you, if I can be honest with you, I stopped interceding for a while. I said, it's not going to work. I'm, I'm being very transparent to you because I want you to know that if your pastor could go through it, you could go through it. You don't want to relate to Superman. You need to relate to Clark Kent. That's the everyday life. I'm not Superman. I'm Clark Kent. There was a time, and I repented of this. There was a time not too long ago that I texted my wife, prayer doesn't work. You want, re- you want real? I'm giving you real. Because you just, I'm only saying what you guys think. What? What did you say, Pastor George? I said to my wife, prayer doesn't work. Prayer doesn't work. I don't believe it. I believe in that. I don't believe everyone gets healed. She goes, don't say that. Thank God for a godly wife. I said, thank God for a godly wife. Don't say that. I cancel those words. And I, <laughs> and I repented. But why did I say that? For the first time. For the first time in my entire life, I said that. Because I was at the end. At the end end. So what happened is I got alone with God. I began to cry out. I began to yell and I began to scream and I began to pray, pray, intercede for that promise to come to pass. My friends, you will never get the promise if you don't intercede, if you don't cry out in desperation. There's a part of you that you cannot shortcut, and this is this. You must have a prayer life. You must cry out. You must say, God, here I am. I already give it to you. I already started speaking right. But now, in my private time, I'm asking you to move like you've never moved before. I'm asking you, in Jesus' name, that you would bring deliverance. I'm asking that you would bring an encounter. I'm asking that you would send the word. I'm asking you, Lord God, right now, in the name of Jesus, you must move. You must open up my finances. Lord, you gave me this business. You gave me this church. You gave me this family member. You gave me my health. And Lord, now, I'm coming to you. And I'm pleading with you. You know who that sounds like? That sounds like Jacob. Jacob said, no, God, the Lord says, let me go. What? The Lord says, let me go. Because you're holding on too tight to me in intercession and in prayer. What do you want? I'm not going to let you go, Lord, unless you bless me. Until you bless me. Are you serious? Are you serious? Yes, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And the Lord says, I bless you here. And he walked with a limp the rest of his life. You know who else that reminds me of? The woman in Luke chapter 18, where the Bible says that she came knocking on the door. And the unjust judge didn't fear God or didn't fear man. And she kept knocking on his door. Watch this. Knocking on the unjust judge door. Some of you guys, we, we don't even knock on the just judge door. We don't even knock on the righteous judge door. She was knocking on an unrighteous judge door. You need to avenge my adversaries. I said, judge, you need to avenge. You need to do this. Go away. Go away. Judge, 
You need to, I'm, t- I'm not going to relent. I'm not going to stop until you get me. I need, I'm desperate. You need to wake up. And this, uh, the Bible says that the unjust judge says, I don't fear God and I don't fear man. But to get this woman off my back, I'm going to get her what she wants. And then Jesus responded, how much more shall my, I give you for those who cry out day and night, day and night to avenge them? Surely I say I will avenge her speedily. How much more shall I avenge those who cry out to me day and night? How much more? You know what the fourth thing that she did and then she got the promise? Fourth thing she did was she never gave up. She was persistent. There's one thing to pray and give up, but there's one thing to pray and not give up. There's one thing to pray and say, you know what, I don't care what I see in the natural, I'm never giving up. Let me tell you something, if you give up, the Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, be not weary in in doing good, for in due season you shall reap if you do not faint. If you reap, if you do not faint, you will reap if you do not faint. Do not stop doing what's doing good. I believe, I believe that this woman and the Shunammite woman knew a New Testament scripture before the New Testament because she walked with the Lord. I believe that she knew this in 2 Corinthians. Put it up there quickly. Put it up there quickly. I believe she knew that the promises of God are always yes and always amen. And I, and I believe that she said, listen, this is what the Bible says. Jesus, the Son of God, in the, in the Passion Translation, and he is the one who Timothy, Silas, and I have preached to you. And he has never, come on, say God has never. He has never been a yes and a no. He has always been and always will be a resounding yes. Oh, he has always will and always will be a resounding yes. Watch this. For all of God's promises. Say all of God's promises. Come on, say all of God's promises. Even the one I lost. Come on, say even the one I lost. Even the one that's not there yet. All of God's promises find their yes of fulfillment in him watch this and his yes and our amen go up to God and bring glory to God oh come on church come on church someone say yes and amen the promises of God are always yes a resounding yes if you're waiting for a promise that hasn't come back yet or you're waiting for a promise that died and you're trying to resurrect it, I want you to stand to your feet right now. Come on, every one of you, I want you to stand to your feet. Those who are waiting for that promise, hold on, hold on. Those of you who are waiting for the promise, I want you to get up right now. So wave at me right now if you're waiting for a promise. Come on, wave at me, wave at me, wave at me. Okay, watch this, that's part one. Part two is this, part two is this. If you had the promise and you held it in your hand, you held it, you touched it, you loved on it, and then it was taken away from you. Lift up your hands. Do you want to resurrect that thing? There's some things that you can't resurrect. I understand that. But there's some things that are still dead that you want to resurrect. Lift up your hands. That's you. If you lift up your hands. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.